0: an idea Stark knows this called the Avengers Initiative the idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people see if they could become something more
1: see if they could work together when we needed them to to fight the battles that we never could
0: Phil Coulson died still believing in that idea. In heroes. Well, it's an old fashioned. Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creators of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vashon, and on this episode, I am joined by Robert Young as we review episode three of the Marvel animated series "What If," titled "What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes?" Hey, Robert. Hello. Hi. So you see, I changed a little. I changed the intro a little, little, little. little i like that
1: i like that. thank change
0: you it up <laughs> yes yes because i'm like listen we're committed we are committed to this series and i'm just like number one i love the the intro music and i was just like i, I got it incorporated into our recap somehow so yeah that was fun
1: <laughs> yeah yeah the intro music is really good well the entire intro the animation and everything is just top-notch
0: oh. Absolutely. Um, As far as uh, that audio clip that was from the Avengers um, with the mighty and talented Samuel L. Jackson with the, it's the infamous Avengers initiative speech, uh, which is pretty much a recurring theme of this week's episode. Um, So I will start with you, Uh, Robert. What did you think of episode three?
1: This like the way you changed up the intro here, they really changed this up, uh, this episode, and I, I think it's going to be one of those episodes that some people like a lot and some people don't, you know, mm-hmm. because this is this is kind of way off the beaten path, and you're killing off some of their favorite characters. So I feel like some people are going to react, you know, in the extremes to this. But I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the mystery of it. Mm-hmm um and i enjoyed seeing some people that i haven't seen in a while like colson in particular
0: yes 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 um i this episode i you know what i'll be honest with you when i first i watched it twice the first time i watched it i was like oh this is cute mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like i don't think it's as good as the, the sec as the, uh, the first two right the captain carter episode and the t'challa star lord episode but then i revisited again i revisited it again um before our recording just to take some notes and i was like oh no okay and it's exactly what you said like every episode is sort of a they're playing with different genres you know what i mean and different and and different themes and so this one like you said it is very much (laughs) funny enough one of the actors of the avengers is chris evans who is in one of the best movies of 2019 knives out right so it Mm -hmm. it definitely kind of had like that agatha christie like you know, 10 little Indians, and then there were none, right? Like, sort of that yeah. murder mystery vibe. And, like you said, like, they were killing off our faves. Like, bloop.
1: <laughs> right <laughs> over there. I was like, oh
0: my God. Um, and one of the things, I mean, we can put our minds together. What I liked about this episode, like, whereas the first two episodes, you know, the first one was a, a reimagining of First Avenger, right? The second one was a reimagining of. of the galaxy mixed in with some black panther right right this episode kind of borrowed from so many other mcu movies which i really liked so while when i watched it the second time i was kind of like oh this is from this movie and this from that movie so i guess we can kind of uh figure out like which movie so i know we definitely started off with iron man 2 (laughs) Uh, where we see tony you know being drunk and kind of sitting on top of that diner in the with the donut. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, Incredible Hulk, the... Uh, the uh, uh, who is it? Uh, the Abomination not, one. Yes, not the one with Eric Bana. Who's the other one? Ed Morton, that one, mm-hmm. right? Um, yep. And then it was also mixed in with Thor, uh, a little bit of Ant-Man. I was just like, oh, okay, I kind of like the way that they brought <laughs> these different MCU movies together to tell one story. And a little bit of, yeah.
1: like, the first mm-hmm. Avengers movie, you know, absolutely. kind of with the Loki part of it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, I see what y'all are doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So so this one, for all intents and purposes, is basically a reimagining. While it's definitely borrowing from all these other MCU movies, it is within the feeling of the Avengers movie when Samuel Jackson is, you know, basically launching his Avengers initiative. Uh, but the problem is that all the people that he's trying to recruit to create the Avengers are getting picked off one by one. Um, So he turns to, I guess you could say, while it is very much, while it is a Sam, um, a Nick Fury-centric episode, it's also very much a Natasha Romanoff story too. It is. Yeah. It is. What did did you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, it it kind of felt like... um, the uh, the winter soldier, but instead of uh, Natasha and Steve, it's Natasha and uh, and Sam Jackson, mm, you know,
0: yeah,
1: it kind of felt like that. They it, it's almost like a 60 40, you know, uh, Nick Fury, uh, Black mm-hmm. Widow, yes,
0: yes, yeah. And, um, and
1: it was kind of cool to see them interact more. They don't interact a whole lot in the movies, you know, they've had, not... right. yeah, they've had some, but. Not like this.
0: I agree with that. I agree with that. Because, I mean, especially if you read the comic, like, uh, Nick and Natasha have a very unique relationship because of the fact that he basically saw the good in her, right? Like, she was this right. assassin for hire. And he was like, and, and he said this in the beginning of the episode. He was like, I like to swing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big, right? Swing big. So, yeah, so, what, so what's cool... I'll just say this real quick and we'll get into the uh, into the nitty gritty of the episode is that it seemed to me while I, you know, like I said, it's very much a a Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff storyline. It seems to me, at least for me, um, with Black Widow, the Black Widow movie and also this episode, I feel like the people at Marvel or let me be more specific, the MCU, but, right, you know, over on the movie side, it seems to me that the movie side, I think they're now just realizing the value of Black Widow and Natasha Romanoff. Right. Because, I, yeah, I agree. you know what I mean? Because I feel like, uh especially when we, you know, her introduction in Iron Man two was so sexualized and so objectified. It was ridiculous. Great. You know what I mean? It was great to see her, but it was like, she was kind of like, even though she was under undercover, she was playing like the sexy secretary, and you know what I mean. And right. yeah, and I always I felt like the first movie that took Natasha seriously, or Black Widow, and used the used her to the best of their ability was Winter Soldier. Um, yeah, that's when totally. I was like, yes, okay, now you guys know how to write for Natasha. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. So, um, but yeah, like uh, you know, I've seen the Black Widow movie and then seeing this episode, and so it's a reversal where. Um, Natasha is basically, like, uh, he's, she's basically Nick's confidant, right? Like, mm-hmm. she's helping him put the Avengers together, which is quite interesting because in the live-action version, I think what happened was he he recruited Tony first, and then Tony was helping him recruit the other Avengers, right? Because that's what right. we saw, right? And so I was like, hmm, okay, this is... And I think it makes sense because when we're introduced to Tony in this version of What If... Natasha's like this is the guy you want to recruit like
1: this
0: (laughs) irresponsible drunk billionaire you know what I mean and it's like "Mm, she's got a point (laughs) I mean like Natasha was way more qualified than Tony in a lot of ways so I feel like this episode honored that you know at least the real that reality um yeah so what did what did you think as far as like their depiction of Natasha in this episode
1: yeah, it felt a whole lot like uh the Winter Soldier uh Steve relationship like mm-hmm. it was uh it was a lot more about him being supported by her, right. you know, uh to to you know kind of track everybody down mm-hmm. and and she's the only one he can really trust. Yes. So, yeah, yes. I, I enjoyed that.
0: I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, because Winter Soldier was, it was it, several things. There were several things, but it was really the the building of Steve's, one of the major uh, storylines was the building of Steve and Natasha's friendship and their, yes. their trust in, with each other, which would carry over into Civil War. So I was really glad that they took the time uh, to do that, and and funny enough, just real quick before we, we go back to the episode recap, um, that is a con- that's something we, we're seeing consistently with Steve, right? Like how he has like these relationship with women, whether they're platonic or romantic. Like he has a real respect for very strong and powerful women, which I really yeah,
1: he, like. He really invests in his relationship, no matter mm-hmm. what what they are. You know, he they, he doesn't have to be romantically involved with the woman to be right. invested in the relationship.
0: Right. You know, but at the same time, it was like after Civil War, he did a couple of women dirty. Right. Like and the live action, like Sharon Carter was left in the wind. Right. So Uh she's got she's got some salt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And someone and Natasha, too, because when we see Black Widow, she's, you know, the Black Widow live action movie. She's on her own. You know, in the beginning of the movie, when General Ross, you know, supposedly has her cornered, he basically taunts her with that. He's like, oh, you did all of that. To you know, help Steve and Bucky. You know, back in Civil War, and look, you're alone. You know, yeah, so I was just yeah. like, ooh, you know. <laughs> but to <especially laughs> take care of herself. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think upon watching it again, I liked it. I liked how they were, uh, you know, converging all these different store, uh, the converging the different movies and kind of changing. The trajectories and the time, you know, the trajectories of some of these characters, and it, it's kind of a dark episode too because it's like I don't want It's a see, really
1: dark episode.
0: Yeah, I want to see Thor die. <laughs> that's mm. uh, that's that's rough. You know what I mean? So yeah, so we see that. Uh, uh, it's like the begin. It's basically like Iron Man two, where uh, uh, Fury meets Tony at the diner. You see them sitting, and clearly Tony is you know, nursing a headache. And, you know, I love that line that he says to him. He's like, I want I don't want to join your super boy band. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, and by the way, the, the, I believe the, uh, there was, it was a different actor who voiced Tony. His name is, there, we have some returning faves and some new actors. I was just going to read through the voice actors real quick so Sam Jackson is back as Nick Fury that is not Scarlett Johansson voicing uh Black Widow Natasha Romanoff it is actually the actress Lake Bell who I like yep. a lot um she voices one of the she voices that fat cat and pets she voices
1: <laughs> Poison Ivy too doesn't she
0: oh wow yes that's her so I, I actually I was like all right now she sounded like scarlet because Scarlett has a very gravelly voice she doesn't uh-huh. have that traditional whatever um I thought lake was good if the delivery was a little flat to me because scarlet has a little bit of a um, I don't know it, it was there like she was hitting it but it was missing a little something but I think she did a good job yeah it, it was it was so much where was like who is this person pretending to be you know black widow but, <laughs> yeah but I, I thought I thought she did a good job um and then uh, we know that uh who else Jen Tom Rston was back. Of course, like, you, you won't really try to replace Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Mm-hmm. Like, come on now. Um, and, yeah, it, it was... it. Agent Coulson, Clark Gray, comes back to voice him.
1: Yeah, it was so cool. great to hear him again.
0: Yeah, and Mark Ruffalo is back as Bruce Banner, the Hulk, which is, yay, cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Douglas uh, was That surprised
1: out. me. I was like,
0: what? Surprise! Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yes, back to it. So, basically... They're at the diner, like we saw very much in Iron Man 2. Tony is cranky. He's hungover. And, you know, while Nick is talking him up, you see Natasha stick a needle in his neck. And she was like, this is actually going to help you. Because remember, in Iron Man 2, he was uh, going through some physical issues because of the implant in his heart. Uh, But instead of helping him, Tony Stark drops dead. (laughs) (laughs) and they think that Natasha did it because she administered the the the, the needle Um, and so she gets arrested and Nick Fury basically helps her you know he was like it was so funny they're walking her to the back of the to the back of the truck with all of these guards and he's like you know how to get out of these things right (laughs) and she was like because he knows that she no matter how many guards they put back there natasha's gonna take care of herself uh so he gives her the the same syringe and he was like i need you i need someone on the outside that i can trust um and i need you to find out how tony is murdered so that's day one and then day two Um, is a recreation of Thor, correct? Right? That's from the Thor movie? Yeah.
1: Can we go back to day one real quick? Sure,
0: sure, sure, sure. Um,
1: That's probably my favorite scene in the whole episode is Mm -hmm. basically her escape from the van is like Steve's escape from the elevator. It's basically the elevator scene in the back of a van
0: yes would everybody uh, yeah I, I was i was expecting her to say would anyone like to get out first but that's okay yes. they don't need to be that on the nose good call yeah. great call great yeah, call. i
1: love that scene
0: oh man she F them up i was like yeah this again this is why i'm like yeah i didn't use <laughs> where she was alive you know because she was wrecking shit i was like yeah. wow okay that was, super um, good. that was cool and so of course she she gets out she escapes and then uh, we go to the next day, Tuesday, and it's like the recreation from the Thor movie
1: mm-hmm.
0: where uh, they have found Mjolnir in the desert. And, of course, S.H.I.E.L.D. has basically built this whole thing around it because they're trying to figure out what it's from. Uh, Hawkeye comes into the picture and he and Nick are talking very much like the Thor movie <laughs> with some twists. So then uh, we see... uh <laughs> Thor <laughs> coming to reclaim the hammer and so funny because like I love how they were able to like crack on their own characters. Like Colson is like, Oh, there's this guy who just busted and Nick is like, Well, what does he look like? And Colson was like, He's Caucasian, male, and he's got really beautiful hair. He was like <laughs> he was like, He's gorgeous. <laughs> like this is so funny. And then you actually see Thor do a hair flip. That took me out, I swear Uh, because that was one of the running jokes in the MCU that uh, Thor was the pretty boy, right? Yeah, definitely Thor in
1: that phase one then the Avengers.
0: Right, because remember, uh, Tony's nickname for him was Point Break. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, all right, I see what y'all were doing there. And so, uh, you know, we see Thor, he sees Mone there. Um, The same way, and then, again, like the recreation, Hawkeye is above ready to shoot, him, you know, Nick is like, let's let's wait, let's see what happens, and just as Thor is about to pick up Mjolnir, the arrow flies, and Hawkeye looks shocked, because clearly we can see that he did not do that on purpose, Mm -hmm. and the arrow goes right through Thor's heart and kills him, dead on the spot. I was like, wow, okay, and then Hawkeye is taken into custody um, under surveillance, and then he drops dead. When Nick goes to uh, question him, he just drops dead. And so now that's three dead Avengers. And I'm like, ooh, this is getting really dark. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable with this episode. Um, but yeah, it was just like, yeah, and you're just trying to figure out who, is I, I, to be honest with you, I had a couple of theories and they were all wrong. Actually, I didn't have any theories. Well, I was just like, I wasn't even mm-hmm. on the
1: right track until the point where Black Widow visits Betty Ross.
0: Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. So let, you, you can take the leap with that scene. So tell us about that. One. So that's day three, right? Yeah. Or day three
1: on Wednesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She she goes to some college in Virginia. I guess that's where um, Betty Ross's faculty or whatever. But uh, she kind of tracks mm-hmm. her down and wants her to take a look at the syringe that mm-hmm. Nick Fury gave her when she escaped. So mm-hmm. Betty Ross can see, you know, what was potentially in it. Right. And when she checks it out, she she tells her that the agent inside the the syringe never was actually released and that wow. a small nano thing was uh, shot into him. And that's when I was finally like, okay, oh, this sounds very tech. Pimmy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said, this sounds very Pimmy, but I didn't know which one of them it was. Like, I didn't yes. think it was Hank Pym at all. <laughs>
0: right, right. But I it felt like,
1: very Pym tech, so mm-hmm. that kind of like put it on the radar for me at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it was actually cool to see. Uh, so that scene is basically pulled from the Incredible Hulk, the Ed Norton version, mm. although Mark Ruffalo voices. <laughs> so that was a bit. Of, that was a bit of a head trip, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I've watched the Incredible Hulk, you know, quite a few times and everything, and that you know the animation actually looked like Liv Tyler. I don't think she. Oh, that's, her, that's right. The, I was
1: like, I was. I forgot who played her in the movie. Yeah, I like,
0: Yeah, because the first one it was Jennifer Connelly and Eric Bana, mm-hmm. and then the second one was Ed Norton and Liv Tyler. And I actually liked her, Betty Ross. Like she, like she's very soft spoken because Liv Tyler is. She has like that kind of soft baby voice, but she's yeah. tough. Yeah. So I kind of like that contradiction. So um, yeah, and so. Uh, when Betty is trying to get her the hell out of there. So after she tells her, uh, I think it's some sort of, you know, nanotechnology. And she was like, OK, I, I helped you. I don't you know, I I'm a biologist. I don't know anything about forensics or whatever. You're on your own. So it's kind of like she's trying to rush mm, Natasha rush out. And out then the, the lab. Yeah. And then Natasha sees on the desk there's a jacket and a hat for a pizza delivery person. And so she's like, "Do you? Are you moonlighting? Are you are you delivering pizzas as an extra job?" And then Ben's like, mm. <laughs> um, "And then unfortunately, that's when uh, Natasha gets the call from Nick to tell her that." You know, uh, Clint, that Hawkeye, has been murdered or he's died. Um, so even in this universe, uh, Natasha and Clint do have a friendship right. or some sort of relationship because he was like, I know how much he meant to you. And I love what she says. She doesn't even cry. She was like, tell me who I have to kill. And I was like, yep, that's Black Widow. <laughs> <laughs> that is her. That is her. And then it hits the fan. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So that's when we get the, the split basically split battles between uh, Colson, you know, driving in the desert and then the B-Frost beaming Lamar. down. And and we find out that Loki has come down with basically like the armies of Asgard and the warriors mm-hmm. three and everybody with him. And then right. simultaneously at the college, Ross pulls up with, you know, all the, the military to try to, mm-hmm. to get banner.
0: Yeah. I love that i love the splice of those two scenes together because it really amped up the the tension i thought that was really cool um oh listen (laughs) this loki (laughs) just as arrogant as ever Er yeah and his came with his same stock speech about ruling the world and nick was like (laughs) and then Nick Fury's phone is ringing because i think it's was it natasha that was yeah not to not to call
1: them yeah
0: and he was like, I mean, and he keeps trying to give his speech, and the phone keeps ringing, and then he gets annoyed, and he looks at Nick, and he was like, "Are you gonna get that?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I got a world to conquer." Hurry <laughs> yeah. up! Uh, but yeah, I, I really like the splicing of those of those two scenes together. And so, uh, you know, back on the Hulk side of the story, uh, Hulk uh, Natasha tries to help Betty and Bruce escape, but it's too late. Somebody shoots Bruce. Mm-hmm. You see General Ross. Somebody shoots Bruce he wasn't supposed to do that and of course you know that's when he turns into the hulk and natasha was like let me get the hell out of here because remember they were on that bridge (laughs) and she just flew out. she was like i know better than that um and then yeah and then the hulk just comes out and he starts his rampage and then all of a sudden we just see him stop and then he basically starts blowing up like you see the hulk like inflating like a balloon like from the inside And he literally explodes.
1: Yeah. That was wild.
0: Wow. (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) Which was was funny because just a few minutes before that, Bruce had told Betty, uh, Bruce had told Natasha, well, you know, I can't die, right? Or it's hard for me. It's hard to kill me or something like that. And clearly somebody found the key to doing that. Mm -hmm. And so that was just like, and I have to tell you that, uh, watching this episode, I mean, of course, what if it's in an alternate universe? It really made me appreciate—well, not appreciate—it was kind of eye-opening to know that a certain member of the Avengers could wipe all of them out, and it is the least likely member ever.
1: Yeah, you know what I'm
0: saying? I would have—I would have never thought of that, Robert. Like, People if you me, hey, always underestimate
1: that—that mm-hmm. that power set, and I'm like, that power mm-hmm. set is like so, like, especially since he can go like subatomic. Like, you yes. can do so many things inside of people's bodies, you know?
0: Right, right. I mean, I mean, listen, there's no spoilers here. We know who the murderer is, right? But I will say that this same person who had the same technology, while not the same character, but had the same technology, was actually a key element to defeating Thanos, right? In right. Endgame. Yeah. That is really when we, we got to see, and when he went meta in several, Civil War. So there's two instances that kind of hinted at, like what you said, how powerful this technology is, and how deadly it could be to the Avengers.
1: And, I would have never thought that. And he doesn't mm-hmm. even have, you know, full command of the technology like Hank Pym does. You know, he's the one that created oh, it. Oh,
0: yeah. Know? So, yeah, that's true. I was just like, wow. Um, so okay, so that's we're down four Avengers, <laughs> four little Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're we're moving to the next day and uh you know natasha we find natasha in this library late at night um and she's basically doing research and she basically (laughs) cajoles colson into giving her the password into the shield (laughs) database and it was some crazy password what was it
1: it was like steve love steve and his Uh date of birth i think so it was like july 4th (laughs) whatever
0: So even in this universe, Coulson has a boy crush on Captain America. (laughs) Some things never change. I just thought that was pretty cool. So, yeah, so we see Natasha crack into the S.H.I.E.L.D. initiative. And then she's looking at the files. And she was like, wait, hold on. Something weird is going on. And in the meantime, she keeps looking back over her shoulder because she looks back behind her. And it's super dark. But she hears something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally, you know, when she starts putting two and two together, she gets up. And all of a sudden, you just see her getting hit. Well, we don't even know what it is. It's just something. We just see her on the floor. And then that's when we see it's the little, little, little. I was like, oh, it's Ant-Man? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and you just see, like, whoever it is in that in that suit is just taking Natasha to town. Um, and then uh, just before things get really dangerous, she's able to call Nick Fury. And she leaves him a message. He gets uh, She gets his voicemail. And she was like, uh, Nick It's hope. It has to do with hope. It's all connected to hope. Um, And then we see Natasha get dragged into the darkness. And I was like, oh my God, you all going to make me watch Black Widow die again. I hate y'all. I hate y'all so much. (laughs) I really was hoping that she would be the last one standing, but that was not to be. Um, And so, yeah. And just before that, uh, in that confrontation between Nick Fury and, uh, Loki, Loki makes a deal with Nick, and he was like, I'm going to give you until the next sundown in order for you to find out who killed my brother, because that's supposedly why lo- Loki is there with the arm, he's there to avenge his brother's death, but I'm like, come on now, Loki, you know you didn't even like him. like that. anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I think Nick has maybe like four or five hours or something, so now Natasha's gone, uh, he's trying to figure out, you know, like, under this deadline colson's like we don't have a lot of time left and then we see nick go into his car and he pulls out a very familiar (laughs) piece of technology what does he pull out robert
1: pulls out the pager for captain marvel the the Yeah. yeah
0: so okay so then that scene is from infinity war the ending of infinity Mm -hmm. war right yeah yeah so yeah so then he goes and then um Nick basically decides to uh, find out or or close this case. Now that he has enough clues, uh, he figures out or I think he has a suspicion of who the murderer might be. So the next scene we see him by the San Francisco bridge there's a uh, there's a uh, graveyard and the grave is for Janet is who is it Janet Van Dyne it's right? for Hope Van Dyne. Hulk Van Dyne, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, who we know from Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? right. Who is the Wasp? Um, and then we hear a very familiar voice. <laughs> Whoops! Yeah, uh, it's Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, and he's—is that the yellow jacket?
1: Yeah, that uh, was my—that was the other thing Woo! I loved about this, because whenever in the comic books, whenever he's like become. Uh, gone more I guess to the bad side of things on the Avengers yes. is whenever he he changes from his Ant-Man costume to his yellow jacket costume
0: wow wow so then in it, this reality he is yellow jacket right okay right. yeah and so what why so you can tell us why what is what was his motivation so he confronts Nick Fury and why is he yellow jacket And why is he so upset
1: well, he's upset because I guess both um, Janet and Hope both died as S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. So he's kind Oof. of taking it out on Fury. And since mm-hmm. Fury's, I guess, since Fury doesn't have any kids or anything like that, I guess the Avengers mm-hmm. <laughs> initiative is like his, his kid, his, the plan yeah. of all plans that he's come up with. Mm-hmm. And he wants to take, take that out. Basically, mm-hmm. to make him right. feel the way he's feeling about losing his daughter and his uh, wife,
0: I was like, "Wow it it just shows you like how easily um, hate can mm-hmm. grow into somebody, and how vengeance can turn so ugly in somebody." Um, because, I mean, in the other, if, if we're talking about the MCU timeline, uh, he did lose his wife, yep, right? He and, did. and his daughter was still there. So there was a little bitterness. I mean, Hank definitely had a certain bitterness towards S.H.I.E.L.D., but he wasn't like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he he still had uh, a moral compass, so to speak. And in this one, it was just, like, out the door. I mean, losing your daughter and your... I mean, which is kind of shades of Wanda, right? In WandaVision. It is. And how how, uh, grief can just make you toxic as hell. Um, you know, and he just killed these people, these innocent people that didn't have anything that didn't have anything to do with anything. It was like you said, he was just using it to hurt Nick. And then something really interesting happens. Uh they get into a fight <laughs> and Nick is kicking his ass. Like you see him, you see him as Yellow Jacket turn tiny. He's flying towards Nick and Nick punches him. And I was like, wait, hold on. Nick,
1: what? <laughs>
0: And then he's just doing backflips and ninja kicks. And even uh, Hank is like, wait, you're spry <laughs> for a guy behind the uh-huh. desk. <laughs> and, then all the, and then the fight just turns insane. And then all of a sudden, he's like flying in the air. He's multiplying himself. And I'm like, wait, he's multiplying? I was like, oh, we know who this yeah. is. And of course, it's, it's Loki. Loki was there all the time, you know, pretending to be Nick uh, to help him take down
1: <laughs> Hank.
0: And so he's defeated. Um, and then uh, towards the end, oh, this was so funny. So we have two, two, two endings, right? Two conclusions. Uh, the one conclusion we see the next day, because uh, Loki says to <laughs> Nick that I'm thinking about extending my vacation down here, and Nick is like, for how long? And then the next scene turns to the United Nations, and you see Loki in front of all the world leaders basically saying, oh, yeah, I talked to all the world leaders. I am now your master and commander. And you must be subjugated. You know his usual, usual Loki BS, right? Um, and then that's inter, that's inter, uh, that's spliced with the ending scene of Nick and Coulson in a hangar with, and you see basically the coffins of the fallen Avengers. You see their respective symbols on top of the coffins. That was that hit.
1: Yeah, that hit, hit hard, pretty hard. Though. Yeah, for sure. Mm,
0: yeah, I was like, damn. Um, but, but what I like about that episode is that it definitely ends on a hopeful note. Um, because much like he said in the speech, I mean, the Avengers are not, and this is pretty much speaking to what's going to happen in phase four, right? Cause most of those OGs, right. That were featured in this episode are now gone from the MCU, Right. Right. And so I'm sure a lot of fans were feeling like, okay, well, these were our world mightiest heroes for phase one to three. Who do we got? So when I, you know, when I see Nick walking out of that, um, hangar, that tells me he's about to go get the new crop, yeah, which is kind of symbolic of what we're going to see, you know, with Shang-Chi and the Eternals and Kamala Khan, and, you know, hopefully we get a live action Miles Morales and, uh, you know, the upcoming Spider-Man movie. So that was cool. That was cool. And so what did you think of the ending ending? What did you think of that
1: one? Uh, the Nick Fury
0: ending? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like we use the hanger, and yeah, like, that see was him. pretty
1: cool. I I was wondering what was going to happen with Cap since mm-hmm. uh, they didn't show him during the rest of the episode. So I was like, I guess he didn't get to the point where they they had thawed him yet, and we yeah. uh, we see that like he's still on the ice at this point uh, when, mm-hmm. when Fury gets him. But then you know when mm-hmm. he's looking at the ice, you know he's like you know welcome back cap and then captain marvel's behind them you know that I was know. pretty cool right there
0: i love that i love i that. mean i would yeah, love um, to see
1: cap captain america and captain marvel together that would be pretty cool
0: i think so too yeah um i i, I for the voiceover it's only one line it's it's not Brie Larson. It is actually Alexandra Daniels that plays Carol Danvers. But she sounded like her. I was like, oh, hey. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I like that ending. So I, I I think, and, I mean, we've talked about this. I, I think what's so, what, Kevin Feige, I just want to get in his brain sometimes. Because <laughs> um, I'm like, you're just smart. Because um, what Kevin Feige is really doing is he's really preparing fans, us, yeah. right? Like, he's priming us, like, hey, these were this this was phase 1, 2 and 3. Phase 4 is about to be bananas mm-hmm. bananas right now. And so with the, you know with uh WandaVision um to an extent Captain uh Winter uh, Captain uh what is it? Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Loki, especially Loki and like these like, like these series are priming us for the introduction of like this wider, more expansive uh, universe, which is about to turn into a multiverse as we're going to experience uh, like it like was hinted at the end of Loki and we're definitely going to see it in uh, what was that, the, the new Spider-Man movie? Uh, no What's the home. title? No Way Home Listen, we'll need to talk about that trailer after <laughs> gonna doing this one real quick uh, but yeah, it was just like so I think what, what Kevin Feige is doing and, and what I think has been so exciting about this is like they're kind of challenging a lot a lot of the characters that we saw in, in phase one to three, there's been a deconstruction of some of them, right? Where we see a deconstruction of Wanda. We see a we saw a deconstruction of Loki and to an extent Bucky and You know what yeah. I mean? And so it's sort of like the the, the, the characters that, that are remaining is sort of like there's a closer examination and the ones that are gone we're, we're kind of question. There are questions, right? Like kind of questions about their legacy. What does that mean? That was a major theme of captain of, of Falcon and the winter soldier, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, what is, what does Steve, Le- Steve Rogers legacy mean? What does the legacy of captain America mean? And how, what's the good in it and what's the bad in yeah. it? You know what I mean? So I, I like that, you know, it wasn't a perfect show, but I kind of like the idea that they were playing with this idea of, of supremacy and you know what I mean? I was just like, all right. And racism and how, is the world really ready for a, a black captain America and what is being a, a black captain America mean? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was just sort of like, I, I like this. I'm like, I'm, I'm excited. I'll, I'll admit, I'll tell you, uh, after end game, I was like, uh, I don't know. Thanks for, we don't have <laughs> Tony. We don't have Steve. Like, like what are we going to do? And, and Kevin was like, yeah, uh, I'm going to kill your darlings. Okay. <laughs> so to speak. And I'm going to, I'm going to be giving you like, Different superheroes, yeah. you know, and and we know with the multiverse, um, it is definitely the conduit for them to bring in Deadpool and X Men and Fantastic Four, the other uh, the other properties that weren't under the MCU umbrella. But now they now they're able to do that. They'll be able to do. And that. you're right. So, it's
1: it mm-hmm. this series is like the perfect series to get people Prime to be ready for new things, but also to be ready for slightly changed things about Mm -hmm. about the stuff they already know. You know, you have all these possibilities, Mm -hmm. everything from little tiny changes to completely new Mm -hmm. characters and everything in between. And this show gets everybody ready for that.
0: I totally agree with that. Like when I think about, the ending of episode three, right? When he says, welcome back captain, it's, it's captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Right. And then also with episode one with captain Carter, what they're talking about is female leadership, yes. which we have, which we have not had, you know, in phase one to three. And, and also I'm going to add Valentina mm-hmm. in there, Madam Hydra. Yeah, Madam where, yeah. And so that really excites me. Like with phase four and with the eternal, we're seeing more powerful women. We're really seeing women yes. step Thirsten's up in the, the, in the leaders MCU. Of the
1: eternal, it looks like. So.
0: Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? I mean, we, and, and and I will say that black Panther to me had that, had the strongest voice yes. of female leadership. Like that was that strong whisper of things to come. And so I'm just like, like, I'm really excited. I'm like, okay. And then I love the, the cosmic factor and, you know, we're we're seeing the Watcher. I'm I'm pretty sure we're gonna see the Watcher in the live version, right? Like the live version uh, movies. They better keep Jeffrey <laughs> White. Jeffrey White. To. Okay, they got to. He is perfect. He is perfect. I just love his. Sometimes I'll just rewind the intro just, just to, to hear, hear him. It. Like I'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just rewind it. Like just even the 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 intro, like the montage. I just love that. And just his voice, it's so soothing. But I did want to ask you a question because you're way more observant than me. But I caught this and I wanted to know if maybe this was in other episodes or if this was just in this episode. I noticed there were at least two to three instances in episode three where we saw the Watcher in the background, yeah. in the horizon. This is did, you, did you see that?
1: They've kind of like progressively been showing him more. Like the first episode, I don't think they showed him mm-hmm. at all. But no. but in episode two we did see him at least oh. once when the when the when um the Mandela when the ship took off from the planet and then that's where he was yeah and it flew into space wow. you saw him like up in the stars you saw like his face there but in this episode we saw him what two times three times
0: yeah so you know what this reminds me of um it kind of reminds me of invincible mm. follow me remember every every episode of the invincible when it was like the you know the the title card mm-hmm. with each episode it got progressively bloodier like the episode one it had a flu, a flu a few dots of blood and then episode two it was like sploosh and then it was like by the time the season finale you couldn't even That's read exactly invincible what it
1: was... feels like yeah
0: so I have a feeling like what we're going to see is as these episodes progress, where it's, it's almost like he's the watcher is going to be bleeding through. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which te- which tells me that I think that by the I could be wrong. I think by the season finale, we might see the watcher having a more direct uh, presence. Right. Because remember, he always has the disclaimer. He was like, I just observe I don't change anything but I don't
1: believe that. that (laughs) You know what? That would not surprise me because that's kind of how it's always been in the comics. Like the few times that he has interacted with people, it's because something Mm -hmm. like major is happening. So I wonder if that Mm -hmm. means like the very last episode, if he shows Mm -hmm. up, it's going to be like almost like a catastrophic event or, you know, like a major world event. Mm
0: -hmm. Which will... You know, we'll see that reflected in the live version of, of phase four. So um yeah, I like this episode. I mean, it was good. Yeah. I, like if I had to grade it, I'd give it like a seven or an eight. Uh the T'Challa Star Lord one was like nine. Yeah. <laughs> and the and the Captain Carter one is like 10, 10, 10, 10, yeah. 10s. like tens of good. Like I watch I tell you, Robert, I watch those two episodes repeatedly during the Me week because they're so good. Yeah, I mean, and it's because because um, you were tweeting about the animated aspects of Captain Carter, um, and now like I'm when I watch it, I'm thinking about your tweets and like the scene where she's in the sky and she's flying oh, and my the, the weight and the this, and I was like, yeah, that montage okay, this is, is, is amazing. a good it's, it's option.
1: So it, amazing. Amazing.
0: it really is. It's so good. I I can't believe like wasn't there somebody who wrote a review saying that it was the weakest? Mm-hmm. It was like a weak. And I was like, which episode are you watching? I don't yeah, know what the hell you're talking understand. about. Like, Cap- I loved it. And it just made me feel like we need a Cap, we need a, I mean, yes, Anthony Mackie is the black Captain America, but my goodness, please give us a woman Captain America. This needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's not
1: act like there's only one person with the super soldier serum in the Marvel universe. Right. So So that, that would not be, you know, new. It wouldn't be brand new to do that.
0: Listen, I just had a crazy idea. Maybe because I was
1: just... You, but that's story.
0: Wouldn't it be crazy if the, our woman Captain America, if they somehow resuscitated Carly from Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Oh, wow. Just, I the mean, thought, just throwing it out the there. It's a comic,
1: so it could definitely happen.
0: You know yeah. what I mean? Because Sam was really close to her and stuff. So I was just like, that would be kind of a reverse. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, this is just in the comic books. I don't know how we could ever get into the live action version because I, I don't know if we'd have to do time travel. If I remember correctly, uh, in the comic books, uh, Luke Cage and Jessica. Who is it? Jessica. Oh, my God. Who's Spider Woman? She's a. The... No, oh. no, 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 no. Oh, uh, oh you're talking about. Oh, okay.
1: Um, um, Jessica Jones.
0: Yes, I remember that in the comics someone had told me that in an alternate future Luke Cage and Jessica Jones's daughter Danielle Cage becomes Captain America. So she's got a fro. I got to find it. I, I saw it. It was like I a, know she becomes you know, like something the, I
1: didn't re, I didn't know if it was yeah. I didn't know that it was Captain America, but yeah, that would not surprise yeah. me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you know, they cancel both series so it's like we may not get that reality or they might resuscitate it i mean because now they have the rights right because they Mm -hmm. took it back from netflix or whatever so so we may see luke cage and misty knight i would i would love to see them i mean i like the actors that they cast um but you know i wouldn't be against a recast if they recast somebody i mean i'll be honest with you uh the actor who played luke cage in the netflix series Mm -hmm. uh what is his name mike colter um now while physically he looked like luke cage i don't really felt like i didn't feel like he really sat in that
1: role. you know what i mean
0: um because here's the thing about mike coulter because you were like oh mike coulter can't act i'm like no 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 because they were watching luke cage i'm like it's not that he can't Mm -hmm. act it's just the role wasn't fit for Mm -hmm. him like you know what i'm saying um because i was introduced to mike coulter on the good wife
1: oh yeah and
0: he you remember that, and he played this 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 mobster called Lamont Bishop, baby. <laughs> he was a scary ass motherfucker. I was like, oh my god, because in the show he killed his wife. Wow. He found he found out his wife was cheating on him or something like that, and he had him murdered. And he was like, and what? In front of his lawyers, he was like, you can't. I, this is you know, client. You know, lawyer uh, confidentiality. You can't. You can't turn me in. He was cold blooded. He was terrifying wow okay um so i really liked him in that and he's actually in this other show uh it's on paramount plus um and you can catch the first season on netflix it's called evil
1: oh, i've heard of this it's such
0: a great show oh you gotta watch it it is like think about it's kind of like i would explain it like it would sort of be like the x-files from the vatican oh that's that what it's sounds like good Yeah. So he's basically, so basically Mike Coulter plays a, he's a priest in training and he is, every episode is, they're called, uh, you know, somebody, a parishioner or somebody, it's either an exorcism or some sort of supernatural happening. And so he's the man of faith and they pair him with a psychologist who's basically like the Scully, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you think of of Mike Coulter's priest character as uh, Mulder, um, and then she's Scully. And so basically, they're trying to figure out in each of these cases is it just, is it supernatural? Is it a prank? Is it something that could be explained? And my culture is very good in that role. I'll have
1: to check that so out. So I think
0: he, yeah, like he's, he's better in very complicated mm-hmm. roles. Like he's not good in the goody goody roles. Like I kind of like Denzel. I was like, Denzel is best when he plays <laughs> conflicted characters. Um, and so, yeah, so he's, he's really, really good in that show and so um but i was saying yeah i mean hopefully you know if they bring back luke cage they'll probably cast somebody else yeah. or whatever um oh and also quick this is what i was gonna say this what this is what made me sad because i know mike coulter can play such great complicated characters. that's why it made me sad that there was not a third season of luke cage because i wanted to see big boss me luke, too because okay? because remember how season two ended uh-huh. right
1: yeah, when and he has Misty all the shaded, suit and he started the club back up and yes, everything, yeah, I wanted to see that yes. season too.
0: And he shaded Misty so bad, like he's she was like, oh, she was like, oh, so I know you changed because you just lied to my face. And then Misty was like, so that was setting up the rivalry it, it now, was. right? Because she's a cop and now he's. And then um, who else came back up? Uh, was Aria Dawson's character? Uh, yeah, the night nurse. She was the yeah, nurse. Night nurse, Yeah, and and she saw him, and she was like oh, i got to get out of here. She didn't even try to be here because she already saw the transformation. So I was really sad that we never got to get a third season of Luke Cage because I think that could have been really yeah, good. Yeah, I agree. I think that to see, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I thought it was it was a good episode. Um, the last few minutes, I did want to talk about um, the trailer for No Way Home. The third Spider-Man movie is coming out. I believe it's um, coming out in theaters on December 17th. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes. What did you think of the
1: trailer? It was a good trailer. So here's the interesting thing: like,
0: okay, I, you know,
1: I was like monitoring Twitter and everything, and everybody is going crazy, and I love mm-hmm. Tom Holland as Spider Man, but like this yes. trailer just didn't like get me like super. Because here's the thing: I'm not a big mm-hmm. like I'm not one of those nostalgic people for Spider Man One and Spider Man Two and stuff like that. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, oh, I, I, I'm not one of those people that, like, reveres those films. Like, when I look at them now, I think they're pretty bad. Except for two. Like, I like two. Oh,
0: two I do great. not like the third You're Spider-Man, not, uh, and
1: I do not like the third Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man at all.
0: We don't, we don't talk about the third Spider-Man here. Yeah. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about Jazz Hand Spidey. We don't talk about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with you. No, the second one, I did that first trilogy, the Tobey Maguire trilogy, Spider Man Two is the standout. Yeah. It is, it is, it is everything. It is, it's the distillation of everything that Peter Parker and 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 Spider Man. I are. do not like Tobey Maguire
1: as Spider Man. I just don't. I agree with that.
0: <laughs> you see, you see, you see. That's that's been sort of the thing. Like, so th- with, this is our third iteration of the Spider Man, of uh, uh, the Spider Man franchise, mm-hmm. right? So we had the Toby Maguire yeah. run. Then we had the remake. What was it? It was Amazing Spider-Man, and that was Andrew with uh, Andrew Andrew Garfield. So here's the thing about Andrew Garfield. I think he was a wonderful Spider. I think he was a really good Peter Parker. Some people didn't like the emo slant, but I was like, whatever. Let him let him cook. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was like, I, I I liked Andrew Garfield very much as Peter Parker, and also as Peter Parker, and especially um, as Spider-Man. What I liked about his Spider-Man is that he. To me, out of all things, he really nailed like the one-liners and like the mm. jokes because it had it almost had like a New York edge to it. Like it had almost had like a Woody Allenish feel yeah. to it. You know what I mean? So I I really appreciated that. I, it, the problem is that Andrew Garfield is a great actor. It was just the material that he was given, especially for that second one with yeah, Electro with Jamie Foxx. It was oh, it was awful. Oh, it was so awful. I was like, wow. Wow. And so Andrew Garfield was like, goodbye, I'm gonna <laughs> go do some real acting. Um, and so now we have Tom Holland, and I agree with you. I love Tom Holland because he is like he has all the qualities that you like about Peter
1: yeah, Parker. Yeah, I think he's a good Spider-Man, Spider-Man and like, a good Peter Parker.
0: Yes, and you got you have to to me it's it's sort of like I call it the, the Batman syndrome, uh-huh. right? Like when you cast an actor, they have to be equally good. Uh they have to equally tackle their, you know, civilian identity as far and also their superhero yeah. identity right and with batman all the actors that we've had for batman have been good at one or the other but not really right. both yeah. you know what i'm saying so it was sort of like like okay let's look uh the michael keaton one he was cool like i i, I thought he was okay as bruce wayne i didn't really buy him as a as a playboy <laughs> but i liked his batman yeah, i agree i did um val kilmer yeah eh. i like i don't really have a comment george clooney terrible terrible bruce wayne and terrible batman i was like i think bale's the Um, best one i think so too i think bale the only thing with bale is like i didn't quite as a playboy yeah because the the, the thing with christian bale is that he's such a specific Mm -hmm. actor He has, like, a very specific energy. So casting him as a romantic lead, you'll notice that he doesn't do a lot of romantic dramas or comedies, and I think there's a reason for that. Not knocking his acting ability, but I think you need to have a certain, you know, chemistry with your female co-stars and stuff, and he doesn't really do that. He's much better in edgy roles. Um, Although now we know that Christian Bale is part of the MCU, right? Like, who is he playing? He's playing the Godfielder? Yeah, Yeah, I I forget the character's
1: name, but Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, I, I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Now I liked Homecoming. I thought it was super mm-hmm. cute. I was like, this is this is a good way to reintroduce the the franchise. I thought it was really cool. Far from Home Well, okay, I'll I'll tell you what I did like about it. Uh Far From Home, it had too much of this John Hughes eighties. It was more like European vacation featuring yeah. Spider Man. And I was like, okay, sir. I was like, listen, listen. If you're making a movie about New York teenagers, when did the movie come out? 2019? Sounds right? right. Right. Yeah. You need to go talk to some kids, okay? Because <laughs> I was just like, number one, some of these kids look way too old to be in high school. Number two, like this, like the soundtrack and the music that these kids were listening to, I'm like, kids don't mm-hmm. listen to that. I have I have nef- I have teenage nephews, and I'm like, do y'all listen to this music? They were like, hell no. You know what I mean? The movie that to me did a much better job of depicting a New York teenager was Into the Spider yes. They knocked that out the park. The, number one, the soundtrack was effing mm. fire. Okay. Because I went to watch it with my nephew. He's like 13 at the time. While we are watching, he was singing all the songs. I'm like, how do you know this song? He was like, Auntie Becky, everybody <laughs> knows that song. He, he knew Sunflower. He knew, like, he knew all the songs. And even the ones that he didn't know, he added them to his playlist. Right. You know what I mean? So, And even when they played the old school hip hop, like, you know, Black Sheep, that was easily explained by the fact that that his uncle Aaron was like a, you know, a graffiti artist and a hip hop. So Miles felt like a very truly realized New York teenager to me. And so I just need this live action Spider-Man to do Mm -hmm. that. Like, Go talk to the children, okay? Go see what's in their playlist and go see what they're wearing. Because also the costume, like the design, like the what the kids were wearing. I'm like, teenagers don't (laughs) get that. I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. But that's my opinion. You go ahead. So yeah, no, I'm just
1: gonna say that I think the the trailer was solid. I feel like it was just like a bunch of stuff thrown at us. Like it was just like yeah. Yeah, so like maybe when they do the 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 next trailer with the story beats and stuff like that, you know, I like yes. that more, but this mm-hmm. one was just like a lot of, you know, special effects mm-hmm. and, you know, Doctor Strange yeah. and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. it was it was good. It was all right. What did you think of it? <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: it was it was all right. I mean, it I think for me it was like we're coming out of a pandemic, so I'm happy to see anybody. Yeah. See the me MCU. Too. But I was like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. I don't want to be like uh, fast, right? I don't want to be that. That that, you know, like just going for anything. I was just like, "Mm." I was like, okay, it's cool. I was like, all right, Mm -hmm. you know, I see what's happening because remember what at the end she was revealed to be Spider Man, and so we're seeing the fallout from that. So what is interesting, really quick, I just want to talk about this quick is one of the fan theories that is going on because the storyline that we're understanding from this movie is that somehow now because peter has been revealed as spider-man the lives of his loved ones are getting very complicated and very messy so then he goes to dr strange to ask for some sort of spell to erase what you know like the past few days or whatever when he killed mysterio all of that and dr strange is like oh sure okay and people are like oh Why would you take? Why would you be like doing a summoning spell to actually un, like basically undoing the timeline when you just came from Infinity War? You know what happens when you mess with time. Um, and why would you, you know, be at the whims of some seventeen-year-old kid? So then the theory is that somebody put posted a, a picture. It was a picture of uh Strange by the fireplace with a a mug, and then they put another picture from a comic book of Mephisto standing. By so the theory is that that is not really strange. That that is Mephisto, which we've heard about Mephisto before. There was a Mephisto uh, uh, uh theory, right? Vision. Everybody thought that yeah. Agatha was and WandaVision. Now, I think this one might be the one. What do you think?
1: I think it's a possibility. I don't think that's strange in the mm-hmm. trailer. I just don't right. think he would be that. Mm-hmm. Like he's an asshole and he's like overconfident. Yeah. But I just don't think, you mm-hmm. know, Peter, uh, Peter asking him to do that, I don't think he would just just go do that. And the other thing I was thinking that, right. you know, Marvel, like, half the stuff in these trailers is is lie or never mm-hmm. shows up. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> so you some people are the so
1: <laughs> I'm starting to think that, like, maybe they edited it, so you, you yes. think it's Doctor Strange. but But I think yes. that might be from a part of the movie where, you know, Doctor Strange is, you know, being taken out by somebody, and, then, and he's, somebody's acting like him. Yeah. So it could be Mephisto. Could be.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. Or is it possible that it could be a Skrull?
1: Mm, well, I mean, he's doing the spell, though, so. Yeah, yes,
0: yeah, because can, they can imitate what you look like, yeah. but not really your powers, So right? the okay. Mephisto thing would be okay. more
1: believable, but
0: hmm they really want Mephisto <laughs> I tell you <laughs> they really want this man yeah so there's definitely a, a questioning of 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 strange uh you know agreeing to do the spell from a teenager it's just like which we know is going to bring the multiverse and of course the last shot we see is Alfred Molina mm-hmm. who's back as uh ca- as Doctor Octopus, and from what I read, um, because I think CinemaCon is going on this mm-hmm. this week, um, they show footage, and people are saying that they saw Tobey Maguire. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising
1: So the, the, if the see all of
0: them. Yeah, so they're doing. Uh, so the idea is that they're trying to do their version. The MCU is trying to do their version of it, not only the multiverse, but they want to tackle into the Spider Verse. So, uh, the 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 rumor is that. Andrew Garfield is supposed to be coming back. Although when Andrew Garfield did an uh, interview, he was he was asked this constantly. I forgot which movie he was produced, he was promoting. And they were like, is he gonna be back? But I noticed he we didn't nope. say no. All he said was, I didn't get the call. <laughs> That's what he said. And I was like, just because he didn't get the call, didn't exactly. his management didn't get the call. Exactly. Like, like he could be playing, we could be playing semantics. You know what I mean? So unless I hear a a a very enthusiastic, no, I am not in this movie. I think Andrew Garfield might come back. I mean, I know he had some bad blood, but that was Sony. Because remember, when he was doing the Spider-Man movies, his beef was more with Sony. If he came back, it would really be working with Kevin Feige and the Marvel people, uh, and probably more money. uh Uh, You know, I I, I think Feige might have had a way to... Talk to him to be like, hey, you know, maybe you should come back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, I like me personally like to see like Tom Holland, Toby Maguire, and Andrew Garfield. Uh, you know, all on the scene would be cool. Also, I'm about to I, I'm about to show my age here. <laughs> I'm go- I'm googling this. Okay, do you remember that CBS had a Spider Man series? LiveX? Remember that?
1: Yes! I do not remember this
0: yes i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna send it to, i'm gonna put it in the notes but um it came out and it was called the amazing spider-man it came out in
1: 1977
0: oh, wow uh yeah and the actor who played peter parker slash spider-man was named uh nicholas hammond um the show didn't the, the show didn't last that long it only lasted for like one season, I think. Well, no, like two seasons or whatever. Um, but the funny thing is, like, <laughs> I watched it, and the actor who played him actually looked like a, he looked like a live action version of Peter Parker. He had like the really pretty curly brown hair, and he was like a photographer. And I forgot who played JJ F- uh, uh, Jemison or whatever. But I thought it would be cool if they could get him right because he, like, he is technically yeah. a Spider Man, right? Um, I would love to see him. I don't know if he showed up. I'd have to see if he showed up in uh the Sam Raimi movies. I don't think he did. I am pretty sure he did not. But yeah, we, he's like the forgotten Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. Like yeah, like people forget that um like while we are getting these Marvel Life series like, you know, WandaVision and um Dave uh, uh Falcon and Winter Show, like Marvel has been had a presence or at least on the television side cuz remember the Incredible yeah. Hulk? Uh, Bill, with, Bixby. With
1: Bill Bixby. Which, I used to watch that show like
0: That crazy. is such an... Oh, let me tell you. I was like, listen, now that Marvel... I mean, well, we know that Marvel technically does not, or I should say Disney does not technically have the rights of the Hulk. They can mm. use him in movies, but they cannot do like standalone Hulk movies cause I, because, if I remember correctly, Universal yeah, still has the rights. Like, yeah, right? so, kind
1: of just give them yeah. the, the ability just to use them.
0: Right, you know what I mean? So I was like, if y'all wanted to do like a, a Hulk series, if, if it's not a movie, I always look to that one because that because I love the take that they, uh, the take that was of that live action series. It was more like a psychological drama. Yeah, it was, drama.
1: it was.
0: It was really, it was really cool. I mean, like, of course you can see the Hulk at the end, you see Luther Igno you know, and, you know, whatever. I mean, the CGI was not all that great back then. So it was very limited. So because they knew that they couldn't, use the Hulk that much and they didn't have the CGI what it what it forced them to do was really build on character mm-hmm. development which I loved and so I remember his rivalry with yeah. Jack Lee the, the reporter who was after him and no that was I think he used to come on on Saturday night you couldn't tell me nothing I would do all my chores get my Sunday clothes ready because that, yeah, that was my show, show too. my mother used to watch it with me too oh and the ending uh-huh. with that piano like da na 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 when he would have to leave it. When he had to hitchhike <laughs> Yes, and my mother was sick of me, sick of me, because I would cry at the end of She was like, Rebecca, you know how this is going to end. But I was like, but it's so sad. She was like, I'm going to have to stop watching the show with you. You really need to get it together. Uh, so I think, I, I could be wrong, but I think you can find the original Hulk uh, live-action series from the 1970s. I'm pretty sure I think you can. It was on Netflix yeah. the last time. Yes, I would highly suggest that people watch it because it's really good. Um, So, you know what I mean? But really, Marvel just was failing on the movie side. DC was flourishing with the Superman movies and then the Batman movies. Marvel couldn't quite get it together. And really, the first movie, and I don't care, I always tell people, y'all gotta give y'all flowers to Wesley Snipes and Blade. That's all of that. Everything that we see. All started with that. While you may not be part of the MCU, it proved that Marvel can make a compelling live mm-hmm. action movie, right? Now, it wasn't Kevin Feige, but I'm just saying. As far as like a, a Marvel right. property, I was like, mm hmm, right. mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, all right, I I think so. And so I think Blade came out. There was like 1998, right? The first one, and then the second one, and then when did we get our first the first Iron movie? Iron Man movie came out around what? 2008 10 years later you know what i mean so yeah so um but yeah this is all to say that it'll be interesting to see how they're going to tackle the the multiverse and how they're going to tackle into the spider-verse um they've got a high bar to reach because the animated movie is perfection perfection like i watched that movie and i was like i can't find (laughs) anything wrong with it nothing nothing like I look and I'm like storyline like the motivate I'm like there's it, like that movie is unfuckable ish like you can't fuck with it like you cannot fuck with Into the Spider-Verse everything about it is perfect and so Kevin Feige and them definitely have their work cut out for them I'm not saying they can't achieve it
1: it'll yeah. be different
0: you know what I mean so it'll be interesting but the fact that they're getting these Spider-Men's or Peter Parker's together it'll be interesting to see like the take on that but Alrighty, well, thank you again, Robert, for joining me. We'll be back next week. We will be reviewing episode four of What If. Um, it'll be interesting to see what this one is about. Like, Actually, to be honest with you, I'm not looking. I, I like to be surprised to see like what the new episode is. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week to review that. Um, and Robert, we can find you on Twitter. What At is your Robert handle? C. Young. Yay. And you, of course, you can find me at Film Fatale underscore NYC. And if you have any comments or thoughts, you can tag both of us and use the hashtag V Lounge. We'll see you next week. See you on the other side.